Now, today, if you, have a, if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Luke chapter one. Today's title is Faithful, right? You know, as I was, there's these, these series that I do at Christmas time, and I'm gonna do it every Christmas, just like I do at Easter, is that I just, I just like folks to know. I like folks to understand because so many, uh, so many times, uh, tradition trumps over what the truth is. And for me, it's so important for us to know what the scriptures teach. And the gospel is amazing how simple it is, but it's also amazing how easy it is for so many to, to, to miss it. I know that I went to church a good chunk of my life and never really picked up on some of those things. So this whole month we've been doing that, right? We've been talking about the, you know, the, Christmas, the Christmas story and what does it mean? And uh, even in, the, even in the, the carol that said the very first week, I talked to you about who Christ is, right? And the virgin birth, and that obviously God with us, right? Uh, is the word became flesh, dwelt among us, that kind of thing. You know, in, in, the, in the carol you just sang, all come all you faithful, in the, the last verse that you sang, I'm not even sure you remember singing it because you've sung it so many times. But take a look at the, at the lyric of the last verse, right? It says, word of the Father, right? What? Now in flesh appearing. All right, do you realize what, that, what that's saying to you? That's saying the word became flesh, dwelt among us. That means that God became flesh, right? He became one of his own creation. And that's what we talked about a few weeks ago. A lot of times we sing these songs and we, we, we don't stop long enough because these writers of these songs really had an understanding of who Christ is and what, what it was that we celebrated. I think so many times we don't, but we've been talking about this over the weeks. As I've shared with you before, I, I'm not ever gonna talk about Christmas where I don't talk about Easter. I'm not ever gonna talk about Easter, right? That I don't talk about Christmas because the two go together. Who Christ is gave him the ability to do what he did. So therefore, because God became flesh, in fact, they sang a song last night at the Saturday night service. That, that in, uh, there's a lyric in the song that said, our creator became a savior, all right? That is the picture, guys. That is what Christmas is all about. Whether you realize it or not, is that, that, is that God, the very God that created everything, the creator became a savior, became one of us, became flesh. The eternal one stepped into time so that he might do for us what we needed the most so that he might give a grace, give a gift of grace, if you will. Grace is a gift you don't deserve, right? But it's given from love, for God so loved. So this is what we've been talking about this month. First of all, who Christ is, which gave him the ability to do what he came to do, right? We talked about the wise men, seekers, right? And we made that statement that those who want to know will know because God makes a promise to you that if you seek him, you will find him, right? That's a promise. So if you want to know, you will know, right? It's an amazing thing. So we talked about, we talked about, uh, we talked about that. But today, you know, this whole thought, this whole thought when you begin to think on, this is gonna be real straightforward, it's gonna be real simple, and you'll walk out of here today knowing exactly what this means, right? Because when you look at today, today's title is Faithful. And from this little song, Oh, Come All You Faithful, that is the response that God wants from you. 
right? That is the response that God wants from you. So if you understand grace, that is a gift you don't deserve. And that is the gift of who Christ is and what he came to do, right? To make a relationship with God possible. Therefore, our own sin has separated us from our creator. Therefore, he became one of us and paid for it so that that relationship might be possible. That is the whole picture, right? But remember, and this is huge, because most people get this wrong. How do you get that gift? How do you get God's grace into your life? Well, the Bible's very clear, but it's amazing how many people miss it. The Bible is really clear, right? Right? In Hebrews chapter 11, verse six, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Think about that. Faith is the response that he wants from you. Why? But well, you know, well, try to live a better life. Okay. Well, I don't want to be ugly. Right. But most of us are terrible at that. Right. I'm one of them. Right. Try harder. I can try harder. I just get tired. Right. So you don't need, you don't need to try harder. You need a gift. And the scriptures makes it very plain that there's only one way to get that into your life and that's by faith. You can't earn it, you can't deserve it. So without faith, it's impossible to please him. That's amazing to think about. So people will say to me, all right, say to you often, well, what about uh, these people that believe this way and those people that do this and this? I want you to understand there's only one way to please him, all right? Scripture teaches it's by faith. So then that begs the question, all right, well, how do you do that, right? How do you faith, right? Jeff, tell us about that. You're going, we're, going, we're going to hear that today, right? That's going to be a thought. First of all, I want you to know what it means, right? So without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? Whoever would draw near to God must believe not only that he exists, but he rewards those who seek him. There's our seek word again. Therefore, if you are like, well, God knows where I live. I just, I've had so many people tell me that. You're in trouble. You'll never know. Why? Because God doesn't show himself to sitters. He shows himself to seekers. Interesting. Question is not, do you know? The question is, do you want to know? We talked about that a few weeks ago. Ephesians 2, 8 makes it as plain as you can make it. For by grace, you've been saved, salvation, through faith. This is not of your own doing. Therefore, you can't be good enough to earn it. You can't try harder. You can't do penance. You can't do all this stuff and jump through all, this hoots, hoot, all these hoops in order to be who God's called you to be. You needed a gift. And the scripture says it over and over and over and over and over and over again, right? It's not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not of works. It's not about being a good person, right? Right? So that no one can boast. So when you look at these things, this is what I want to talk to you about. The, we've already talked about who Christ is. We've already talked about the cross and what he came to do and how those things are linked. And, and that's the gospel message. But how do you get that into your life? I've always liked to say, if, if sin is the disease in the body and grace is the medicine, right? Faith is the needle that gets the medicine into your body. It's the vehicle that brings God's grace into your life. By grace, that's the medicine. Through faith, that's the needle. Therefore, the needle doesn't 
save you, but it does get into you what you need that can save you. Does that make sense? I do my best try to just help people understand this concept, these things, because so many times it becomes some kind of superstitious thing, but it's very simple. Why is it so simple? Because then even the most simple can understand it, right? If it was complicated, then only the intellectuals could get it. That's not who God is. It's easy so that everybody can understand if you want to understand. It's an amazing thing. So, so then what is faith? Well, faith in the Christmas story, faith, finding faith at Christmas, whatever you want to talk about. I've, I've, there's a couple. We're going to at least talk about one. We'll see how our time goes if we get to the other. But I want to focus on one character in the Christmas story that really explains this concept of faith and what it means to trust and what that looks like practically. And it's Mary, right? It's Mary. There are, there, are, there are sections here in the scriptures that I just want you to see. And I love it because this has happened already a couple of times today. Somebody will come to me and go, that is what that says. You know what they're saying? What they're saying is I've known that verse all my life, but I've never really stopped long enough to see what it really said. I love that kind of stuff. I love sharing that kind of stuff. I love for you to see it because it blows up all of the myths and traditions around you and makes you take a look at what the truth is right in front of you. I want you to understand that Mary is one of the greatest examples in all of the Bible of just what pure faith is, right? And what it means. You'll see it and it's as clear as it can be. And, and, and remember, as, as we kind of set this story up a little bit, and you have to understand the culture in which Mary was living. It was a Jewish culture, obviously. It was, uh, it was rural, right? Uh, and Galilee was where she lived, and so uh, Nazareth, and so, so it was rural, so it was, but it was very devout, right? Most of them were strong believers. They had a strict, they had a strict uh, obviously, code of how people lived and different things. And you have to remember that children, they were betrothed and that, and that your parents set up your marriage, usually when you were just a small child, right? And so they'd already arranged the marriage between Mary and Joseph. And more than likely, Mary here, probably she was around 14. Uh, 12 would be a little young, 16 would actually be a little old, believe it or not. But in the culture in which they were, they betrothed early and, and, and therefore the, they, they, they arranged early, betrothed, and then not long after the betrothal started, there was a marriage. And so she was in that, in what we would maybe call engagement time, but she was around 14, which makes this even more amazing. Right? So this is where we're going today. I want you just to see this. So let's, just, let's just talk about Mary just for a few minutes because so many in our culture get who Mary is wrong. And the reason they get it wrong is because they just don't read what the scriptures say. All you have to do is look at it. But when tradition overcomes truth, that's when you get all this strange stuff. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So let's just look at it. Just look at it for what it says. Luke chapter one, verse 26, okay? In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, now we've already read parts of this, on the first week of our series, Christmas series, when we talked about who Christ is, you know, God with us. So that virgin birth, we're not gonna talk about that again. 
But there's something else I want you to see, but we're going to reread a lot of the same passages, right? In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, all right, was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, all right? So it's a, it's a town in the north and very rural area. In fact, many people believe when they've unearthed Nazareth uh, at the time that there were only about three or 400 people living here. So this, we're not talking about this big city, all right? But anyway, uh, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, all right? And he was of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he, that is Gabriel, came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you, all right? Now, if you like writing, okay, if you have a paper Bible, I'm finding those aren't, 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 aren't with us very much anymore. But if you have a paper Bible or if you have one of those you know, programs or apps that you can write, right? Underline the phrase favored, because that's huge, right? To understand what does the word favored mean? Because he says it again in just a minute, I'll, I'll tell you, okay? But she was greatly troubled, right, at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting that this might be. And the angel said to her, as I like to say, as all angels like to say, don't be afraid, right? Mary, you have found, there it is again, you have found favor with God. Now, what does the word favor mean? Well, favor is the Old Testament word. Um, and it, it's just the Old Testament word for grace. Uh, therefore, you have found favor, right? Therefore, you have found grace. In fact, it used it back when in, in Genesis. It used it a lot of times. In fact, you won't see the word grace used much in the Old Testament, but you see the word favor, right? In fact, the definition, the textbook definition of grace is unmerited favor, right? And so favor is just one of those words. So favor is another word for grace. In fact, it says in Genesis, it said that Noah, God looked down and saw the world was, was corrupt, full of violence, but he looked down and he saw Noah, right? And it says he found favor in God's eyes. That is grace. So that's the picture. So don't be afraid, Mary, because you found grace, with God, right? You found grace. Therefore, God has extended his grace to you. Look at me, look at me. Mary doesn't give grace to anybody. You'll find out that in a minute too, right? But let's continue on. Behold, you're gonna conceive, right? You're gonna conceive uh, in your womb. You're gonna bear a son. You'll call his name Jesus. He's going to be great. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. He's gonna be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob. Another interesting word, forever. Therefore, his kingdom is not going to end. It's going to be eternal. Therefore, he's going to be different, right? And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Therefore, eternal. Therefore, when you're talking, when you're talking something that's eternal, you're talking about who, who God is, therefore God in the flesh. So we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. And then Mary has a question. We talked about this too. I mean, she has a question, you know, basically, how's this gonna happen? Because, you know, I'm a virgin, basically. So it's a scientific question. How does that work, basically? Okay. And the, and the angel explains it to her. You know, Holy Spirit, it's going to come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child born to you, all right, will be called holy, pure, sinless is really what that means, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age also has conceived a son. Okay, and is in the sixth month with her who was called barren. That means she couldn't have children. 
and she was past the time of being able to have children. And I think about what, this, what the angel is saying here, okay? So you, Mary, you're gonna have a child, right? There's not going to be a human father. And Elizabeth is physically past the time where she could even have children, and she's gonna have a child. And basically the thought here is for nothing's impossible with God. You know, so many times people get hung up, right? They get real hung up. Virgin birth, oh, there's no way that can happen. Well, what about the creator who set everything up? Can he do that? Well, sure. What about the world in which you live? The way, the way things that are set up, the way the body is created and made, there's a creator who made it all. Can he not do what he wants to do with it? It becomes a very simple question and a very simple answer in verse 37. God can do whatever he wants to. Well, then why did he do it this way? I don't have any idea, right? I've never been afraid of I don't know because I'm not him. If I knew why he did it that way, then I'd be him, which I'm not, by the way, and that's good for you. But understand that, right? Now, Mary's response, do not miss this. Verse 38, Mary said, hey, wait a minute, or behold, I am the servant of the Lord. I want you to understand here that she said, let it be unto me according to your word. Okay? Now, I want you to know that this may be one of the greatest, one of the greatest responses of trust. Right? Because I'm sure that Mary didn't understand all of how it was going to happen. But basically her response is, listen, I don't get a vote. I'm his. So whatever he wants, I want, no matter what it might mean. Isn't that interesting? And this is a 14-year-old. I find it one of the great statements of faith in all of the scriptures and understanding what it means is that God has a plan. I want you to do this, right? And I've got a plan. Here's how it's gonna happen, even if you don't understand. And she was like, I don't have to understand. Lord, I'm yours. I'm yours, whatever you want. See guys, she didn't find her faith here. It was just expressed here, right? Your faith comes out when you're faced with something, right? You don't come up with faith all of a sudden. It's just revealed when something like this comes up, right? And when this came up, she was like, done. And I find it to be one of those great things. Therefore, do you want, this will be a great way for you to even know if you're a believer today. Do you want what he wants? That's a great question. That shows you've already trusted him if it's truly the truth. Or do you want what you want? And I want you to understand here, she had a choice. Ready, done. I find that incredible too. God gives you a choice. You can trust him or not trust him. You know? She could have said, you know, Lord, I'm not, I'm just 14. You know, you can find somebody else. I really don't. I trust you, Lord, but I don't want to do this. No, you don't trust him. Does that make sense? Interesting. You know, I'm going to embarrass them, but I don't mind. I have children, right? I have lots of them, right? I have three daughters, 
Three, I do get girls because I was around them a whole lot. And I'm thinking about watching the little girls in my life grow up. It was one of the joys of my life. I loved it because I never had girls in my life. I had no sisters. I had a mom, but you know, she's not a girl. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? Right? If you've ever had, if you ever just been all boys, then you remember your mom's not a girl. She's mom. And so, so I just loved having these girls around, but I found out that they were different right off the bat. Don't let Dr. Fluffy head tell you that boys and girls are the same. It's just not the truth. All right. But I found out real quick that these little girls did not have to be they did not have to be taught to, to play dress up, right? Yeah, they just throw stuff out there and they're gonna put it on and do it their own way. Anyway, and they also didn't have to be taught. I'm going somewhere with this, by the way, all right? They didn't have to be taught to play wedding day. Oh my goodness, are you kidding me? And, you know, they have big wedding and their minds, you know, and, uh, Bless his heart, I have a son too. And he was about four or five before he realized he could say, no, I'm not doing that anymore, right? Because he was always gonna be the groom. Then he, they were older sisters, so he was finally got old enough, oh, I'm not doing that. And so, and so anyway, but I have found that girls have these dreams and that they play through their head, you know, as they grow up. And they play through their head what it's gonna be like here and what it's gonna be like that. I'm not saying that boys don't, but it's different. Again, don't let Dr. Fluffyhead tell you it's, it's all the same. It's not. And so, anyway, so dreams, 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 dreams. And you have to remember that during Mary's time, it was one of the highlights of a girl's life. Guys, weddings lasted a week. Right? And the bride was always the focus. It always is in the scriptures, in the book of Revelation, right? And, and the little girl had hope chest that she, that was this culture in which Mary lived. And the wedding was a big deal, right? It was planned before, as they were born. And anyway, but what basically is happening here when the angel is telling her that, I want you to give up on your dreams and I want you to do something that I want you to do, right? You have no idea. I mean, most people say, oh, Mary, that'd be awesome. You know, she was, no, she had a rough life. She had a rough life. I tell you, she had a rough life. Why? Because, well, think about today. If a 14 year old came up pregnant and she told you that She'd never had sex before, it was God's baby. Anybody in the room gonna believe her? No. They're gonna, con they're gonna look at her, again, the culture's different now, it's changed, right? From now as was then. They would just constant, she would just be looked at as immoral. You know, and then Joseph even went ahead and married her anyway, so he's gotta be codependent, right? And uh, can you believe he believed her, you know? and. So when you look at this, she lived through a life, even you find out in Jesus's ministry that they were accused Jesus of being illegitimate, right? And so it was an attack on Mary's character. But here's the question, all right? 
Yes, she was told that many, many generations will call her blessed, and we do, but not the one she lived in. Does that make sense to you? She was never called blessed in the time she lived. Maybe later in her life, after Jesus died and was resurrected, and then believers started, then she was called blessed. But for most of her life, she was just called immoral. Does that make sense? So when you say, be it unto me according to your word, what you're signing up for is, Lord, I want what you want, no matter what it might mean for me. Does that make sense? But you don't hear that today. But I want you to understand what faith is. But she had a choice, right? And then, God bless her, she gets, she gets a 90-mile donkey ride, nine months pregnant, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? And then she gets down and she gets to deliver in a barn, all right, at 15. That's pretty exciting, right? Probably not what she was dreaming of all her life. And then she's delivering, and God bless him, Joseph had not a clue, I promise you. He had not a clue. I've been there, first child, right? And I'm in, back in this little room, right? Because I went to the classes, which didn't prepare you for being there, to be honest. But I went to the classes, so this has been a long time ago because my oldest now is 27, right, hon? 27, something like that. And so um, I remember, you know, that the one thing I got to do back there was breathe. All right, you know, I'm down there, okay, you know, breathe. And what happens is, if you do that too much, you get lightheaded. I had to sit down, all right, because I didn't know what was going on. I've never been to that city. Well, Joseph's the same way, right? But God was there with all of it. It was his plan and the humility of how Christ was going to be born. It was all part of his plan. But question, do you want what he wants no matter what? Even if it means giving up on your dreams. You're not going to hear that in the world you live. What you're going to hear, look at me. What you're going to hear in the world that you live is that God's there to make your dreams come true. Look at me, that's a lie, right? That's a lie. Why? Because he's there to get your will done. Now, it's what you would want if you had enough sense to know to want it, right? You want what he wants. But whenever we get self-centered, it's not about what God's doing in the world, it's about me. That's the great struggle, especially in our country. Especially in our culture. But she basically said, Lord, whatever it is. And I'm not even sure she knew all of what she was signing up for. Because you don't have to know. All you've got to know is, do you trust the person you're putting your faith in? That's all you have to know. I hear people say today, well, you know, that's just behind the times. That doesn't really fit with this new age we live in. Okay, I'm here to tell you, look at me and listen real hard, right? It's either the truth or it's not the truth. If that's not where you wanna put your faith, then you're gonna put it in something else, but I'm promising you it's not in him, right? I just wanted today you to get a good grasp on what faith really is. It's not positive thinking. 
right? Well, you just have to have faith. As if if you have enough faith, it's like positive thinking, it's gonna make it true. God, that's, God, that's, again, that's not how it works. So she says, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. In other words, God, I'm yours already. So whatever you want, I want. Even if I don't understand what it means. And God blessed her and has continued to bless her. Right? In all of our eyes who are truly his. It's one of the greatest examples of what it means to trust God in all of the scriptures. Right? And a 14-year-old. I find that amazing. That's why when I was a student pastor, don't ever underestimate the need for students and what students can do, right? A lot of times they haven't been, they haven't been messed with, right? And it can be a lot purer form of what it means to trust God. And sometimes what we do therefore never, 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 you know, minimize what can happen in a student's life, right? That's where she was. So kind of interesting, the angel departed, right? In those days, Mary rose and she went in haste into the hill country in the town of Judah. And she went to Zechariah's house, right? And greeted Elizabeth, right? And when Elizabeth heard that, you know, Mary was there, right? Uh, you know, she had a greeting, the baby that she was carrying leaped, right? And Elizabeth was filled with the spirit and she exclaimed with a loud cry, you know, blessed are you among women, which is very true. Just not during her life, she was going to be blessed, right? But blessed is the fruit of your womb, right? And why is it, all right? And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord, listen to what Elizabeth said, should come to me? That's, a, that's, a, that's an amazing thing to think on. So number one, under this, let's just, I just want you to hear it. Number one, I want you to see that Mary was extended grace and she was experienced grace, all right? Therefore you're favored and here's what I want you to do. Look at me. You and I don't come up with stuff and ask God to do it. Right? God chose her to do this. But we somehow think that we come up with all this stuff and, and then we ask God to we ask God to bless it or to let it happen. When when Obviously, he, we don't need to get him on our page. We need to get on his page. I remember early in the years, I would come up with some stuff some, as a believer. And because remember, Mary was a believer, but she didn't come up with this and say, God, this is what I want to do. No, no, no. He came to her and this was his will for her. You know, I, just a word for believers here today. If you truly are his today. I have found that following him and his will is different than coming up with stuff and asking him to bless it. I remember a time in my life, as a believer, I'd gotten so tired and so down, you know, because I was working so hard. And then I remember an epiphany happened in my own life. This is just for believers. And I remember hearing this and then writing it on a, piece of paper. And here's what it said. Okay. I will turn aside and go see a bush that burns, a burning bush. But I have given up lighting my own fires and saying that God had lit it. Had lit it. Are you hearing me? 
I get so tired. Well, God was just, and that people making stuff up. When God works, it's unmistakable. Why? Because there's fire and the thing's not being consumed. Does that make sense? Therefore, when he's in it, you never get tired or run out of gas. But if he's not in it, you'll just get burned out. For those of you who have ears to hear. Now, back to our story. All right. So she experienced God's grace. This was God's idea for her life. This was God's will for her life. Number two, she believed God's word. She believed God's word. Body, soul, and spirit, and they're all mentioned here. Body, be it unto me according to your word, right? Right? Lord, definitely. I'm yours. The body is yours. Right? Soul, look at verse 46, I believe. A little bit later, she sings this song. It's called Mary's Magnificent. Look what it says in 46. And Mary said what? My soul, that is mind, will, and emotions. My soul magnifies you. Body, soul, look at verse 47. And my spirit, what? Rejoices in God my, all right, let's say that out loud. Savior. Question. She calls the baby she's going to have my Savior. So that implies, that shows that Mary needed a savior. Are you following me? Which also shows me that Mary was what? A sinner. Only sinners need a savior. Are you following me? Okay, Mary was a sinner just like you and I, right? She was not sinless. There's a lot of people that teach that today because it's who Christ is and what he came to do that made the difference. Mary was just, God used Mary to do what he was going to do, which is the great hope that all of us who are believers have. Lord, use me. Because in and of herself, Mary couldn't do anything, right? I mean, y'all do understand that. She couldn't come up with this and have a, a virgin baby by herself, right? So whatever happened to her, God did through her. It wasn't Mary herself, but she was extremely blessed to be what God chose her to be. I just want you to see it. So what happens is when tradition about Mary becomes the truth, we really get it whacked out and mixed up. But I just want you to see it. That's when you look and say, that is what that says. That is what that says. My spirit, body, soul, and spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Amazing. So she experienced grace, right? She believed God's word, and she, was, she did God's will. So how do you do God's will? When you find out what his word says, even if you don't understand it, Lord, I'm, Lord, I'm yours, Lord. Whatever it is you want here, this is what I want. You know, maybe this will help. You know, Romans chapter 12 is a verse that you hear often. If you've never heard it before, it's probably better, right? Because a lot goes with this verse. It's been explained a lot of different ways. But I think you'll see it differently now since you've heard Mary's story, right? Romans chapter 12, verse one, it says, I appeal to you. This is Paul talking to the people at Rome. I appeal to you. I beg you really is what it means, brothers, by because of God's mercy, that is because of God's mercy and grace that he's putting in our lives, 
To present what? Your bodies as a living sacrifice. There's no greater picture than Mary, right? No greater picture than Mary. Lord, whatever it is, I'm yours. Wholly acceptable to God, which is, which is what worship is, right? Lord, I'm yours, right? Lord, I'm yours. Whatever it is you want, Lord, I'm yours, right? It's not one of those, well, you know, Lord, anything else but this. That's probably what he's gonna ask, why? Because you're we're all his, right? Body, soul, and spirit. Just don't be conformed to, the, to this world, but be transformed by renewing of your mind. Therefore, it's something that he's working in you. But I love this part that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. Therefore, those who have learned to trust him, God makes sure you know what his will is. Therefore, Mary would have never known, nor could she have done what she did if she hadn't been told what God's word was. And she would have never been told if she hadn't already had faith in him. So those who put their faith and trust him, him are gonna be the ones that God reveals and shares what his will for them is. Does that make sense to you? So therefore, it's not all about, God, I need to know your will. God, I need to know your will. The better thing is, Lord, I need to trust you. And I need to learn to trust you more. Because he always reveals his will, what he's going to do with those who are already trusting him. And a powerful thought. So that by testing, you may be able to discern what God's will is. That is his good and acceptable and perfect will. So Mary, I spent 90% of my time on it because I want you to see faith in Mary's life and see what this kid, how God used this kid. The second one, and this will only take a few minutes, is Simeon. Simeon was an older man, old man. I'm not gonna tell you how old I thought he was because it'll offend somebody, <laughs> right? Because nobody wants to be known as old today. But Simeon was old, but there were some promises made to Simeon too. And I just want you to see the comparison between Mary and Simeon both in the Christmas story. Luke 2.22, now there was a man in Jerusalem, his name was Simeon. He man was righteous and he was devout. Righteous means that he was, is that he'd put his faith and trust in God. Why? Because the scriptures teach us in Romans that there is none righteous, nobody, right? There's none righteous, no, not one. So then how does a person get to be righteous? You get to be righteous by putting your faith and trust, right? By grace, through faith. Right? It's what the book of Romans is all about, imputed righteousness. Therefore, Jesus took your unrighteousness, died on the cross because he could, because of who he was, and gave you his righteousness. Therefore, Simeon was righteous because he trusted God. Devout means you're devoted, right? Just a word that means you're devoted. He was waiting for the consolation or salvation, if you will, of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. And it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, and we are not told how it was revealed to him. But God will get what you need to know about him to you if you trust him. And the more you trust him, the more he'll let you know. But for some reason, God had chosen Simeon to be the one and had made a promise to him that he would not see death until he'd seen the Christ, the coming of the Christ. Not the second coming, that's what we're waiting on, the first coming. And he came, into the, he came by the Spirit, right, into the temple, and the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the law, custom of the law. And Simeon took him in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let your servant 
depart in peace. According to your word. Now look at the parallel between Mary and Simeon. Number one, what did Mary say? I'm the, I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be unto me according to what? Your word. Now let your servant depart in peace according to your word. So the parallels are the same. The faith is the same. It's just that God had different roles for them. Interesting. But here's an old guy that he had to have the faith to wait. Okay, I don't have good news for a lot of you who are like me. I don't wait very well. But as I look through the scriptures, that was really important. Poor Abraham, he waited most of his life for a child. All right? Waiting is something that's part of faith. Faith to wait. Right? But now it gotten there, God, your word's been fulfilled and this is what he said, for my eyes have seen your salvation, right? That you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, right? Now look what he says here, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, right? All right, you can pick it back up, right? What does that mean? Who are Gentiles? You're, if you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. So what he's saying is a light, like a Christmas tree. Ah, they turned it off. We'll turn the, it was on last hour. It was a great illustration. Y'all are killing me here, right? Why do we put lights on trees? Because Christ is a light that, of revelation for the Gentiles. That is to lighten the way for those of us who are Gentiles and for the glory of Israel. And so there's this great picture, right? of who Christ was gonna do, way back with Simeon. So Simeon had some real answers in his own heart and his own life. But here's, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and be done. There's a lot more to this, but I only wanted to focus this morning so you could understand faith. And the question you have, you already know some of God's word in your life personally, because it's for all of us, right? For all peoples, it says. And here's the word, is that God loves you, but there's sin that separates us. Therefore, Christ, God with us, the word became flesh, dwelt among us, Emmanuel, God with us, came into the world so that he might do what he came to do. That those, that, that with who he was, with what he did, becomes grace, the gospel. And the question is today, are you gonna trust it or are you not gonna trust it? It's as simple as that. Right? So that is what makes a person a believer. Then the rest of it is, Lord, Lord, I'm yours, whatever you want for me. Right? Whatever you want for me. So if there's never been that time in your life, after the service, there'll be some people down here, right here, who would love to talk to you about what that means. If you're watching at home, then I want you to understand that is his message to you. No church, no denomination, whether it be Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, or any other denomination, owns this message. It's his message to you. I say that all the time because I want people to understand. This is his message. No one owns it. And it's his message to you. It's a powerful thing to think on, but it does change a person's life, all right? 
It's one of those amazing things. I never believed, never even dreamed that I would be doing what I do today. Who would ever thought that? But that was what, obviously what he wanted. And therefore, you never know. But if you'd have told me back when I was 20, I was gonna be a pastor, I'd have told you were nuts. <laughs> never even wanted to be. And yet, it's not about what I want, it's about who he will lead you to be. That's why I always say, you, I promise you, you want what he wants over what you want. No matter how strongly you may think you want it now. Does that make sense? All right, God bless you guys.